Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. You're tuned into the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I am your host, Joe DeLeon, joined by NFL Draft analysts Alex Gilstrap and Ryan Roberts. As we've done so far during this preseason period leading up to the NFL and college football seasons, we have been highlighting every single position group in the 2021 NFL Draft class. These rankings are going to change. The outlooks on these players will vary, but we are filling you in on where Ryan and Alex currently stand on the evaluations of this 2021 group. So far, we've knocked out a number of offensive position groups doing the running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. Today, we are doing an all-encompassing offensive line show. That means we are doing offensive tackle, offensive uh, interior offensive line that obviously entails offensive guard and center. So we're, we're going to be hitting on all that today. Going to be a packed show for the amount of draft prospects we have to hit on. But speaking of drafting players, Mr. Ryan Roberts, you are apparently drafting a new member to uh, the Roberts family. Is that correct? That is, man. I, 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 didn't, I didn't know that was coming in this intro. But yes, we are inviting <laughs> a baby girl to the Roberts family, to the Roberts team in January. Yes, we are. Well, just wanted to say congrats, and hopefully our listeners can tweet at you if they have not already said congratulations. Big news, obviously, out of anyone here on the uh, on the show. I won't dwell on that too much, though. Let's get right into this offensive tackle class, which is very different than last year's. We had the core four of top guys, which was Mekhi Becton, Andrew Thomas, Jedrick Wills, Tristan Wirfs. Those guys were considered to be very highly touted prospects. This year does not exactly seem to be the same. So, Ryan, we'll head to you first this time. What What is so different about this year's class, and is that number one guy going to be as high up as possibly fourth overall, like where Andrew Thomas went? Yeah, I, I think he is. Um, we're talking about Penny Sewell, not to drop names too early here before we really get into the rankings, but for, for me... This class is buoyed by one individual. That is that offensive tackle who, in my estimation, is the best offensive tackle I've ever evaluated so far. And we'll get kind of get into his backstory of age and different things. But he really kind of makes up for what, in my opinion, has been a really disappointing and underwhelming class this year. I, I have found some traits that I'm going to kind of put my hat on for summer evaluation type of type of thing. But right now, I am not confident in a top five, a top six, because I think not only can it change very much, you know, relative to how it always does, because there is just so many middling guys this year who have traits but don't have great film that it's making a lot of question marks. There's a lot more questions and answers in this class, but luckily we have a guy up top that is a potential, and I hate using the word generational, but this guy, Penny Sewell, is legitimately a, type, a generational type talented offensive tackle, and he is going to make this class appear a little better than it honestly is right now. Yeah, as you as you said with Penny Sewell, this is the number one guy, offensive tackle, that I've ever evaluated in my years doing this, so... Uh, so at the top, I think you have that number one. Uh, 
like Ryan said, pass number one, I'm not confident in any rankings right now. I know it's going to be flipped upside down, left, right, by the time the draft comes around. Uh, But as far as this interior class, I think this is the best one, or I think this is better than last year for sure. I was not really big on the interior offensive line class in uh, 2020. Uh, but this class, I see, a, I see a few names that I could see pushing uh, the round one threshold, and uh, and a, and quite a few top fifty guys. So I'm really kind of intrigued by this interior offensive line class. For as much as I'm kind of disappointed, like Ryan said, with the tackle class. Before we hit on discussing your guys's top rankings today, we're going to do the top three at offensive tackle and top three at interior offensive line instead of doing top fives like we've done because there are just so many guys that we want to cover and hit on that fall under the category of offensive line. Before we get to that, though, who are some players that you're already catching your eye on that might be not as highly talked about as we've done so far on the show? Who are the sleepers uh, for this offensive line group? Ryan, who is your guy? So offensive tackle-wise, um, you know, Joe's about to yell at me in like three seconds, but Spencer Brown. I'm not going to yell. Iowa. Oh, you're going to yell, Joe. You were yelling before we started, man. <laughs> Let's call it what it is. I'm just kidding. But, yeah, I, I got I got Spencer Brown who, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and act like I, you know, kind of started this little craze that we're seeing on draft Twitter, um, but I was. But um, Spencer Brown is a potentially special offensive tackle in this class. Northern Iowa, he's an FCS kid. There are measurables that you can't teach, and that is obviously size thresholds, and that is six foot nine. That is 320 pounds, long arms. Uh, quick background, he was a high school tight end playing eight-man football in Lenox, Iowa. Um, Lenox, Iowa sorry, and then he uh, stayed in the home state as a tight end recruit. Kept getting bigger, and the thing that I really value when I when I look at offensive tackles is one core strength and two flexibility. He just benched 500 pounds a couple weeks ago. There is no absence of strength to Spencer Brown's game and flexibility. He is still a little raw. I mean, let's call it what it is. He is not a perfect prospect from a hand placement perspective. He's not a perfect. He takes some false steps. There are some things that need to be cleaned up. The thing that makes him potentially special, though, for me is even when he takes those false steps and he's put into non-advantageous positions, he's such a flexible athlete that he has the ability to recover. There is not a um, an inconsistency with him either. You think a six foot nine guy would struggle with pad level. You don't get that on film. The, the flexibility is there. The strength is there. Six nine athlete. There is so much to like about Spencer Brown. I'm just I'm so jacked up, and I, I'm telling you guys right now, I'm I'm bringing the energy today because offensive line week, man. I love this is probably my favorite. Honestly, my favorite. Um, position group to evaluate. I love watching the big guys up front. Mm. Um, so Spencer Brown's kind of my guy. Offensive tackle class is a potential sleeper, even though he's getting a little more run of late on uh, Twitter. Okay. Yeah. So I, I'm just like you with offensive line. I'm really looking forward to that cornerback show. Cause as you know, Ryan, I love me some <laughs> corners, uh, but my offensive tackle I'll go into before we start getting into some interior guys is Jalen Mayfield out of Michigan. He's the right tackle. Only started one year there as a redshirt sophomore, so a young guy. 
Uh, I wouldn't necessarily call him a sleeper, but I don't think he's getting enough credit. You know, I think he's very underrated as as of this point. 6'5", 320, he's great size, and I love just how big and athletic he is. He has a great mix of athleticism for his size, great length. Uh, when he gets his hands extended, when he gets his arms extended, he's hard to hard to get away from, and I like his movement skills. I think the biggest thing with him is – is working against speed. He's an athletic guy, but I think he gets a little rushed uh, when going up against speedier rushers. Uh, but, I mean, it's just a little bit of polish in his footwork for me, and he's he can push for first-round conversation. So, as it currently stands, he's not in my top uh, three that we're going to be talking about today, but he's on the outside looking in. And I think this guy has all the tools, both physical and mental, to, uh, to push for round one conversation uh, by April. As far as Spencer Brown goes, I just want to throw in my two cents being an FCS analyst. I I am a big fan of Spencer Brown. So I, seeing Spencer Brown's name on here, it's a, a, one of the few times where it's not a sleeper pick that's from a Division II school that I've never heard of. So I'm seeing a guy that I fully recognize. All the stuff that you said about Brown, um, Ryan, really hits the nail on the head. He's very big. He's not supposed to be able to move and be as explosive with his upper body as a guy that tall with arms that long. It is a very, very unique athletic mix for a guy that is six foot nine. It almost makes you wonder if you can unlock all of that possible potential, how good could he possibly become? And is that size explosiveness uh, mix enough to maybe push him into an earlier round than many people would expect. But the only thing that I think is a real issue with Brown at the moment is does he actually uh, end up getting to play a season this year based on what's happening with all the FCS conferences completely shutting down? Well, just transfer over to Iowa, man. Let, let's get it going. You know, if he gets shut down, just transfer <laughs> over to Iowa. Let me see you for another year. I'll say, though, Joe, you know, for, for you as an FCS guy, though, it's it's a really fun year. And I, I hope that those guys are getting a chance to play because it's specifically at the offensive line, we have Spencer Brown. We have D- Dylan Radins from North Dakota State. We have um, Drew Himmelman from Illinois State. Like, there's three legitimate draft draftable prospects at offensive tackle who are all – Six six plus Himmelman's up around six nine six ten. Spencer Brown's mm-hmm. up around six nine. Like there are some freaks this year at the FCS level at offensive tackle, and I, I'm just excited to, to hopefully see Spencer play. But you know, we kind of talked about this in the past a little bit with everything that's happening. Don't be surprised, man, if some of these guys instead of waiting it out and and seeing what happens, kind of there seems there is a little bit of a push to a transfer exodus. I know that's kind of the different topic for a different day, but I'm, I'm excited to see Spencer this year. Hopefully in some capacity, we'll be able to see him develop to the next level. Now, in terms of interior guys and interior linemen for your sleepers, Alex, give us your guy first who you're paying attention to as an interior lineman. Yeah. So I'm going to keep up with the big school, low name name. That's not being talked about enough as my sleepers. And I'm going to go with Ben Cleveland out of Georgia. Uh, former five-star recruit, one of the best recruits in the nation when coming out. Uh, I remember going into Georgia, him and Jacob Beeson were kind of the headliners going into that class. Uh, 6'6", 335, 340, somewhere in that range, and he's every bit muscle. Uh, I mean, if if you go and you look at this man's Instagram, uh, mm. you talk about Aaron Donald being as big as he is and not looking like he has a shred of fat on him, that's 
eerily similar to what Ben Cleveland's got going on. I mean, when I look at him, I'm thinking of uh, what's the Game of Thrones character that's like that? The Mountain, if y'all are Game of Thrones fans. The Mountain. Uh, Yeah, that's what Ben Cleveland looks like on a football field. I think he deals with some some, uh, technical issues, and I think he's going to need some refinement there. Uh, But I think he's gotten better every year as he's played. Uh, at Georgia, and I think you know he got that early coaching from Sam Pittman, who's now at Arkansas, who's known as one of the best offensive line uh, coaches in the nation. Um, so I think he's gotten better every year, and that five-star uh, rating he had coming out of high school with all the tools he has, it was just it was just refinement, like I said, and he's he's continuing to get better. I I, I expect this guy to be a, a Senior Bowl contender, potentially pushed to be on the Senior Bowl. Um, and, and I think that's where he's going to start to see his rise. I mean, you just look at this guy and you know he's a dude. And uh, with as much strength as he has, um, and he can move a little bit for being as big as he is. I mean, we're not, he's no Daniel Falili, or however you say it, from Minnesota, uh, or Makai Becton that we knew from the 2020 class. But, I mean, he's a big dude still. He's bigger than a lot of the guys we're going to talk about today. So, uh, so yeah, he's my, he's my kind of sleeper guy that no one's talking about. And I don't want to make this weird, but um, I'm trying to find a picture right now that I'm going to I'm going to put in our Twitter chat because you guys have to see this picture. I, I, I'm not going to go too deep into what it is, but Ben Cleveland, as Alex said, is a humongous human being. He's like six six, three thirty. He's a very well put together offensive line prospect. He he wants to win in very tight spaces. I don't want to. He's a gap powered kind of guard. I don't want to see him with much movement to his game. I don't want to see him moving laterally much. I want to see him beat up on uh, opposing defensive linemen. I I think that's where he wins best. And, uh, you know, I think there are some limitations to him, but I think he's definitely a guy that's worth monitoring. And uh, for my guy that I want to throw a little bit into the ring here is um, I'm actually going to cheat a little bit here. He actually plays left tackle right now, Rashawn Slater, who is the left tackle for Northwestern. I project him at guard because he's only about six foot two, six foot three. He just plays left tackle because he's the best athlete on his offensive line. But movement skills, this guy takes great angles to the second level. He's a really solid, fluid athlete who I think in a gap in a um, zone system, inside or outside wide zone, I think that he could be a really nice interior offensive lineman. I think he's honestly one of the most slept on offensive linemen just because everyone's going to look at him and say. He's an undersized tackle, but you have to use your imagination. The, the the traits that he has transfers well inside, and I think that Rashawn Slater is at the end of this. At, when we get to the end of this group, because I don't think he's going to contend for one of the top two or three guards in this draft, but I think he's going to be that solid guard you get somewhere on day two, early day three, that you look back and you say he started eight to ten years for us just because he's such a good, solid football player. We're going to get into your guys' both top threes for tackle and interior offensive line. Before we head to that, though, I need to inform our listeners about a word from our sponsor, Simply Safe. What's the number one sign of a bad home security system? A home security system that's so complicated, you never use it. That's exactly the type of system Simply Safe has spent a decade fighting against. Simply Safe was designed to be easy to use while protecting your whole home 24/7. Order online, open the box, place the sensors, plug it in and your home is protected around the clock. It is that simple. Head to simplysafe.com/team and get free shipping and a 60-day money back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com/team. It feels good to fear less. 
We've already highlighted some of the potential sleepers, some guys that could be late risers throughout whatever this process is going to end up looking like during this odd college football season that is coming up. Now, in terms of this offensive tackle class, Alex, who are you ranking in your top three? And just judging off of the show notes, we already have some pretty good discourse besides that number one player. Yeah, me and Ryan both kind of alluded to Penesu will be in the number one guy better than anyone that I've ever evaluated at the position. Uh, I think he's going to be a top three guy on my big board without a doubt. Um, but after after Sewell from Oregon, we uh, I have Alex Leatherwood from Alabama. I think he's just a rock solid offensive tackle uh, playing the left tackle spot opposite of Jedrick Wills, who just was drafted in the top ten this past year. Leatherwood, I, I like how he uses his hands. I just didn't. I don't see too many negative plays on his tape. Um, I just think he's rock solid. Plays against really good competition, especially being in the SEC uh, and then in the college football playoff. After that, so um, yeah, Alex Leatherwood is my number two. I think, like I said, he's just a safe prospect. I don't think he has an amazing ceiling because I don't think he's overly dynamic as an athlete in space and but I and I don't think he's necessarily the strongest offensive tackle in this class but I think uh, the tools he does have are you know meet that threshold that you want in the NFL as a starting tackle and and I just think he, he's he's just right there baseline everything you want out of a out of a guy that can start for you for five plus years uh, and then number three for me is uh, Samuel Cosme uh, Samuel Cosme is a rare mover Um you know, he's got such great uh, movement skills. First, I should say he's from Texas. Uh, I guess we should inform the listeners of that if they don't know. But yeah, so he's 6'7", 300 pounds. So he's a little bit light and that's and that kind of shows up in his tape. I don't think he's a very strong rusher. Um, he, Caleb on Chase on gave him fits early in the season um, with that speed to power that it, Chase on possesses. But uh, Samuel Cosme, I think is a really high upside guy. I think his floor is a lot lower than that of Leatherwood, but I think this guy... I mean, there's no limit to what this guy can be being that size. If he can just add some meat to his lower half and uh, hold up against power a little bit better, I think this guy could easily be a top 15 guy in this class just with the with the movement skills he has. I mean, you you saw the the movement skills of Tristan Wurst at the combine, the rare combine that he had, um, and then Andre Diller the year before, who was a first rounder. Those are the kind. That's kind of the the movement skills we're talking about. We're talking about a guy that's going to light up the combine uh, and really really turn some heads. Uh, I just need to see him play better against strength. You know, play better against those power rushers. And if he can do that, like I said, this guy is top fifteen, locked and loaded. And I, I will say that I'm right on the same path with Alex as far as. Mr. Cosme, offensive tackle from Texas, Samuel Cosme. I have him at number two. Uh, I, I agree with Alex to a high degree that I think that he's a potentially special athlete at left tackle. He's got incredible feet, not much wasted movement either. The, the Obviously, the question mark is, can is he, is he able to anchor against power? He needs to physically get stronger, but he has the frame to do it. He's 6'6 plus. He has a lot of tools to work with. I don't think that adding too much weight to his frame is going to cost him any of that athleticism either. I think he could easily pack on that weight. Number one, and I'm going a little out of order here just to talk about Cosme. Um, to, on that side note to Alex, Penny Sewell is the slam dunk number one. I don't care what reports come out there, who's talking, who's saying it. I really could care less right now because this kid is everything you want. 6'5 plus, 320 plus pounds. 
incredible in space, ferocious. There are still some things that he needs to clean up because he's a 19-year-old kid, which is still absolutely crazy to say out loud. But this kid is about as can't-miss as you possibly can. He's probably going to end up as my number one overall player in this draft. I'd be very surprised if he was outside of the top two or three when all is said and done. He is... There's if you're if you're really trying to find a lot of weaknesses to his game, you are really trying to poke some holes that maybe aren't even there. So Penny Sewell, Samuel Cosby, number two, number three, I have um, Jalen Mayfield, who was Alex's sleeper. I think that there's potential special there with Mayfield. Athletically, there's a lot of strength. I think that he his problem is not anything with athleticism. I think that his feet can get stagnant on contact sometimes, which is a Thing that you can't clean up. That's not a technical issue, really. That is just more driving through contact. There's plenty of drills to work on that type of stuff. But if he's able to put it all together, I think that his talent is a lot higher than a guy like Alex Leatherwood or someone in that capacity that Al- that Alex had, a Walker Little, those types of guys. So I have him at number three, and I'll, I'll say this to Alex, and Alex, you can, you can respond if you want. I actually have Alex Leatherwood rated as a guard, and he's going to stay there for the time being for me. I don't hate that. It, I think kind of similar to Tristan Worse. Everyone's talking about him being a guard. I think Daniel Jeremiah started that. Uh, I could see him being a great guard. I just think he could also be a good tackle. You know what I mean? I never, I, you know, I was kind of saying he's rock solid, kind of hits that baseline of a five-plus-year starter at the tackle position. But I think he could be a special guard. Uh, it's just that the tackle position, you know, just being as important as it is, being as valuable as it is to have a, a good uh, good tackle on either side. So uh, I have him as a tackle for now, but I definitely am not against him moving to guard for sure. Speaking on the your top threes right now as a whole and, and kind of in relation to that core four discussion I brought up earlier, where do you guys sit on how this class levels out? So we, we talked about how Penny Sewell is possibly a generational type guy, how he is possibly one of the best tackles to come out in an extended period of time and will likely get drafted pretty highly if talent evaluators are able to re- recognize that talent. But for both of you guys, how close is that second and third guy? Is it a huge drop-off or could these players find their ways into the top 15s? Ryan, wh- where do you sit on this? I think that there is uh, there's three tiers for me. There's one tiered Penny Sewell all by himself. There's a significant drop off, and and even though I still think that Samuel Cosme could potentially be a top twenty type of pick, but talent wise, I think there's a significant drop off, and I think Cosme, honestly, for me at least, is all in that conversation by himself right now. I don't have anybody else in that tier, and then after that, there's another drop off, and then I had. Uh, Mayfield as my third rated guy, but he's in a bucket with like four or five guys that I was just kind of differentiating on. There's a bunch of guys in that conversation for me that I I can talk myself into to a degree, but it's, it's a really drastic drop off. I would not have a first round grade on Mayfield. um, If I did official rankings right now, if I did official grades in the preseason, I would have a first on Cosme. I would have a high first on uh, Penny Sewell. So I think it's, it's first, Mid, mid to late first on Cosme and then another significant drop off to somewhere like second round type of range for the rest of the, rest of the grades in that third bucket. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think there's that there's that third tier, just like you said. My second tier is Leatherwood and Cosme together. I think I'm a little bit higher on Leatherwood, obviously. However, that third tier is deep, and it, really you can toss them in any order, and it'll probably be flipped upside down by the end of the year. So 
that, you know, talking about Jackson Carmen from Clemson, that's a name that some people are a really big fan of. Uh, there's there's the Notre Dame kid who's a more veteran presence. I can't say his name, so I'm not even going to try. Liam uh, Eichenberg. Well, Liam Eichenberg. Yep. So, you know, he's a rock-solid veteran presence. You know, he's a little bit older as a redshirt senior. Uh, than some of these other guys that we're talking about. Abraham Lucas, there's fans for him out there. that So he's in that tier for me as well. Walker Little, all the tools in the – you know, th- there's a deep group right there that's going to be in that second round uh, conversation right now. Now i got to ask you, Ryan, how many How many do you think by year's end is in the first round? How many offensive tackles do you think are taken in the first round? Uh, um, offensive tackle is such a premium position. I say, I say it ends up being four to five. I think that's a pretty mm-hmm. safe bet. Um I don't know who exactly who those guys are. I can make a couple guesses, but like we said, there's that bucket where, where for the third tier for me is, is so large right now. I think a couple guys are going to rise out of there. And not to t- digress too much, I don't know if the photo went in, but I found the greatest photo in the world that should be loading in our uh, Twitter chat. If either one of you guys has it up, I will leave that conversation there for now. Uh, it is not currently loading, so we'll have to – circle back with that uh, on the end. But it's interesting that you mention how despite what we've talked about at this moment, it's only really these separate tiers, a lot of guys that might fit in the second round. And that's kind of what happened last year in the, in the 2020 draft class because we had a, a clear-cut, really good top four, but then a bunch of random guys like Isaiah Wilson and Austin Jackson who maybe weren't really as talented found their way into the first round because the tackle position is such a premium position. So before we decide to continue this discussion into the interior offensive lineman, it's worth circling back to the, uh, the man that, that both Ryan and Alex have described as disturbingly muscular for a 300 pounder. Uh, the picture has been sent <laughs> into the chat. It, Ryan, can you please tweet this picture out tomorrow? Just so some of our listeners understand what we're, what we're looking at because this is not a, a, a normal human being to, to say the least. Oh no, no. Yes. Yes. I will. I will. Whenever I post the show tomorrow, I'm going to post this as the cover photo. Absolutely. I mean, like Alex said, he like he looks like the mountain. If you're familiar with game of Thrones, <laughs> this guy, I mean, if he's not, if he's not going to be a good football player on the next level, he definitely has a uh, career as a wrestler. Absolutely. Oh, easily. Oh, easily. I can see Brock Lesnar all over this. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, he, the man has no love handles. He's got nothing going for him, but he is just jacked. But so we don't spend too much time um, lusting over uh, an offensive <laughs> interior offensive lineman. Let's let's get into our, our our top threes for those interior guys. Alex, you have your top three as Wyatt Davis from OSU, Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma, and then Trey Smith. From Tennessee. Conversely, Ryan, you go Trey Smith first, Wyatt Davis from OSU second, and then Josh Myers from Ohio State as your final guy. So a little bit of, of discourse yet again. The question I have here, because you guys don't have the same number one player, Ryan, we'll, we'll ask you this first. What's the reasoning behind why you have Trey Smith first and not Wyatt Davis? And then Alex, uh, feel free to explain why you have the, had the opposite in your situation. Well, full disclosure, if I had to predict whose top three would be more realistic to how they were picked, I would pick Alex's just because Wyatt Davis is squeaky clean. Trey Smith 
has some durability issues. He has a, uh, a recurring issue with blood clots in his lungs. So I feel like he's going to be a guy that when he goes to the combine, he gets those medical tests. There's going to be some hangups to the, to uh, his long-term potential. These are grades are strictly on the field, what I have seen. On the field, Trey Smith for me is 6'6", 330, could play gap power, could play, um, could play in zones inside, wide zone. He was their le- starting left tackle two years ago before the issues kicked up again. He's that gifted of an athlete. There is he, He's able to create such incredible power in very tight spaces, and he's a great athlete. I think that there is a higher upside to him if healthy over Wyatt Davis. Wyatt Davis is conversely a little – shorter he's right around 6'3 6'4 definitely has enough size but for me if both guys hit their potential and we're again we're doing summer scouting so we're kind of taking not what just they're doing on the field but also you know adding that up with what the upside potentially is I think that Trey Smith at the end of the day could be a more dominant football player than than uh, Wyatt Davis if the health concerns check out no, I completely agree. Uh, Trey Smith for me is at three. The way I do my my rankings usually is is the order I take them. Just simply, you know, I'm not putting together grades and stuff right now. That'll come later. But I just simply put them in the order I take them. Trey Smith obviously dealing with the the blood clot issues. I also don't think he's quite as polished, uh, obviously, as Wyatt Davis. Like you said, Wyatt Davis is super clean. He just doesn't let people behind them. It's, it, that's the that's the job of an offensive lineman is keep your man in front of you. You know, keep him off the quarterback, keep him out of the backfield, and that's what Wyatt Davis does. However he does it, you know, he just doesn't a- allow guys next to him. And I just – you got you to gotta respect how clean his game is. Trey Smith definitely has the higher upside, though. Just talk about the tools he has as far as being able to bury guys. Uh, you, it's kind of rare, you know. Obviously, he hasn't been on the field – full-time like we wish he has because of his recurring issues. However, the upside, you know, is through the roof. Uh, Trey Smith could easily be the best interior guy out of this group if if medicals check out. Um, and then and then, kind of sandwiched in the middle between the two, I have Creed Humphrey, who I think has – he took a little bit of a step back as far as his film from 2018 to 2019. Uh, I remember going into the – this time last year, really, the summer scouting, I was looking at Creed Humphrey as a potential redshirt sophomore declaring, and uh, I was thinking, okay, this guy's going to be clearly the top guy in this class. You know, Tyler Beatus was up there too at that point. Obviously, both of them had disappointing 2019 seasons. Uh, however, I think Creed Humphrey – I think his is his is more of just he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. I mean, he was going up against some guys who I mean, if you turn on that Baylor tape uh, in the Big Twelve Championship, Bravion Roy, this nose tackle who I, I studied last year, I think had a six round grade on him. He's not a very notable guy as far as the twenty twenty draft was, but I this, I don't know what this guy. Someone said something to his mother, or said something about his mom that day, or something <laughs> because he was a wrecking ball. Um, so I, I I do expect Creed Humphrey. I think he'll 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 get back to the mean uh, for what he can do this year. Uh, hopefully, if we had that college football season, but I think he's got all the tools. He might move to guard. I think uh, he struggles with those kind of bowling ball type guys, and you're just going to see more of that in the NFL. Uh, playing the center position, so I think he might have to move move to guard. But either way, I think he's a really he's a really good athlete. I think he's he's good for uh, good a good uh, interior offensive lineman in this class for sure. 
So that makes me now wonder how you have Creed Humphrey uh, center for Oklahoma as your second guy on this list. Ryan, how come you don't have Creed Humphrey in your top three and instead you have Josh Myers? So real quick on Creed Humphrey, it's like Alex said, the, the 2019 film was not as good as the 2018 film. I think a lot of that was he was dealing with four new offensive linemen around him. You know, it's offensive line. It's so important to have that chemistry along with the new guys. And he had four new ones that he was the elder statesman and only a redshirt sophomore. I really do like him. I'll tell you, this was a very tough, close call. I almost had him. I almost put him at number three. But for me, I'm looking at Josh Myers' film from last year, who is another center from Ohio State. And I think that this this conversation between Humphrey and Myers, when we get down to it, is going to be a fascinating one on who the best center is. For me, I think they're comparable. They both have a lot of length. Um, I know Creed's listed at 6'5". I can tell you he's actually around 6'4". Myers is actually a little bit taller. He's more like 6'4 half, closer to 6'5". But for me, Josh Myers, I just think is such much more gifted athlete. I think he moves laterally a lot better. I don't think that there's too much of a limit to his game. I think Creed is best if he's able to play in a gap power system where he stays in tight confines as much as possible. I just think that there's more you can do with Josh Myers. And Josh Myers, as a former top offensive tackle recruit, I just think that there is a more potential special traits as an athlete. And that's kind of just why I have him as a little bit of a separator between him and Creed Humphrey for me right now as the, as the top center in the 2021 class. Well, you you know something else I like about Creed Humphrey that kind of goes under the radar or, you know, kind of underrated trait is this man is just pre-snap reading this defense. He's pointing out to his quarterback the mic. He's he's diagnosing blitzes pre-snap. I it, You know, when you watch – uh, like full game tape where you get a lot of that pre-snap time uh, to watch. You can see every single play this man's pointing around. And I, th- I think he just understands the game really, really well, which I think NFL coaches are going to fall in love with during the pre-draft process. I, th- I think he's going to kill the interview process just the way I can tell he he processes the information that's in front of him. I, I, I think I think uh, Creed Humphrey, like you said, Josh Myers, though, he was he was four for me, so he's right outside of my top three. I think that's going to be a really good conversation uh, by the end of the year because I think they're both really, really good. All right, guys, great show again today. That is going to be it for this offensive line discussion. Had a ton to cover, and we managed to hit on all of it. Uh, we are going to continue on this week for more interviews from a handful of offensive linemen. So stay tuned for that coming out. Make sure you go follow us all on social media. You can follow me at Joe DeLeon. Follow Alex at Alex Gilstrap and Ryan at Rise, the letter N, Draft. Also make sure to follow Believe Podcasts at B-L-E-A-V Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. And head to their website, Believe com to find our show as well as thousands or not thousands hundreds of other almost up to thousands hundreds of other uh, amazing shows on their site be sure to subscribe wherever you might be listening to us and drop a review if you really enjoy the show later on the week like i said earlier we will have yet another interview for this time the offensive line
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.